Oh, man. Tuesday night. That can only mean one thing. You're here with Dynasty Points at FantasyPoints.com. I, of course, am your host, Thomas Tipple, at El Nostra Thomas. Joining me, as always, is Jacob Sanderson. He is, well, at Jacob Sanderson. And joining us, as always, is Lucas Gilbert, L. Gilbert FF, over on X slash Twitter slash however you want it to be remembered. Look, we're not a news show. And we're not a start or sit show, but we do have fun here. And we're going to prove that to you by doing something we just don't do on this program pretty much ever. We save this stuff for the offseason usually. But after a comment that was made to me in the Discord about kind of not fully explaining some things on trade detail, it kind of inspired me for this program. So... Gentlemen, today we asked uh, some of the members of the Bulletproof Discord, and of course we have the Fantasy Points Discord trade questions going at all times. Remember, if you have a question that you want answered live, uh, please leave a comment. We're going to get to it. We're going to answer it the best way we can. We have theory. We have prospecting. We have actual trades. We have a potential live negotiation between Jacob and I as he just got needed from playoff contention pretty much in the league. Uh, record. We're, it's actually not as bad as I thought. We took a, we took a look today, and we're, we're one win over Stolp and a Billy loss from getting right back in there. Okay, I'm waiting for that Joe so Burrow. We're getting trade. some hope. I'm waiting for that Joe yeah. Burrow trade to come in. Um. When I see that, I know the floodgates are open. Um, Lucas, I'm going to find a way to somehow get you into the legal record. It's, it's going to happen eventually. Someone's going to find it. Someone's going to wane themselves out or annoy me enough. We'll see how it is. Speaking of last night, before we get into we're going to start with player picks this week just because I want to get that kind of out of the way. Uh, speaking of last night, a monumental victory was was had at Jacob's expense. And I just want to walk everybody through how tilting and why we became full tilt uh, in the first place, because it's losses like this. Jacob had Devonta Smith versus my um, Travis Kelsey and Deandre Swift last night. And I had to overcome a bit of a, a deficit in this game. I needed to outscore him by nine points deep ball. Can you just talk us through what was going through your mind when you saw that ball that Devonta Smith just caught and when the, what you thought the moment you realized he went down on the one? Well, it was like, first of all, it was PTSD for me. Like, I don't know if people remember uh, specific plays in the Super Bowl, but there was basically the exact same play, but on the opposite sideline with them going the opposite direction um, where Hertz throws a big go ball to Smith. He catches it and he goes out right at the one. And if people aren't familiar with the FFPC playoff challenge, thinking about thinking readers will soon be familiar. It's like my favorite tournament in all the fantasy sports, but you pick one player from almost every team in the playoffs. And then you have to get like the highest scoring combination of players without taking more than one player from any particular team. And there's specific positional allotments. So like my Eagle was Smith, obviously the most popularly drafted Eagle Eagles were Brown and were Hertz. I was sitting at like fifth or, or 10th. I was in the top 10 going into that play. And if Smith could have got that, we would have probably held top 10. We would have been making a lot. And sure enough, Hertz then comes in, puts his fat ass in the end zone with the tush push. 
Uh, and that was that was the closest I got to making a massive hit last year. Still, was a pretty good team. But anyway, I are, then I see this play go. I'm in the same situation where I have Smith. I'm facing Swift and Kelsey in this back and forth game, and he goes at the one. I'm like, man, can this skinny little fuck ever get in the end zone? <laughs> like Jesus, just like get your arm like one foot longer, a little bit stronger. Get that thing in there instead of constantly giving way to your betters. So anyway, then I was up like four, and I, I knew it. Like, like someone in the chat was like dagger. I was like fucking dagger. What? Like I said, dagger. I, I felt was in. when it was when there was like ten points. When I was when they were ten points down, I was like, we can work with this, right? Like, they're, Chiefs are going to be running, Eagles are going to be throwing. We'll get some Smith points. Like, we're going to make up some ground, and we did but not quite enough. As soon as the Chiefs went down, I was like, now it's just going to be fucking Kelsey, spam, 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 bullshit. Uh, and if the Eagles get it back, they're just going to hand it off to Swift anyway. Uh, Toronto Dave says, uh, Thomas sounds so joyous. You have no idea the joy it gets me to just beat Jacob in the most frustrating ways possible yeah, because it just, he either crushes me or it's some abysmal loss that is hard to mentally recover from. And then the first play, right, goes off his hands. I'm like, ah, oh, great. All right, then they get, like, way down fourth. And then back-to-back. All I need was those two back-to-back catches, and it was over, and the celly was on. But I posted Dagger because I thought he was in until I looked back and saw the replay. I was like, oh, I got a, I got a shot. It's here. And why did I want to tell this story on air today? It's not solely to rub it in Jacob's face that he lost another heartbreaking game to me once again. But it's that this stuff affects us like it affects you. We still, to this day, even though we are in multiple leagues, you know, 40 plus and up with with leagues at times, we're still down to ride with the home league. And it still is an emotional roller coaster for us. So when we do a show like today, we're talking about trades and how to navigate your league. And if we actually believe it or not, believe me, we're not robots just in the spreadsheets. We're in the trenches. You're like, and, and feeling the emotion. This is, this is our uh, warfare here. And if you're not able to win these games and gloat uh, with your league mates and co-hosts, I don't know. You need to live a little. Um, all right. Let's get into it. Look, normally we do the player picks, uh, Lucas, way later in the show. I want to get them out of the way just real quick today. We don't need, we don't, we're not going to do the breakdowns. We're going to do this is what we're doing. But if you're unfamiliar, we pick a player outside of the top 15 at both quarterback and running back, outside of the top 24 at wide receiver, and outside of the top 10 at tight end. We tally those points up, and at the end of the year, the winner gets to choose the other two host drinks for whatever day we do the live broadcast of the draft. Lucas, I'm going to let you go. You're sitting in second right now at 481.32. Decent showing, even though you tried to like remove points from yourself because you thought Ty Chandler was bad this week. Uh, but who do you have this week? All right. So real quick, uh, Matt Stafford, he's my favorite matchup for quarterbacks. Then, of course, uh, Warren at running back looked fantastic, even in limited work. Zay Flowers, wide receiver, and Tyson Hill at tight end. All right. I, I like that. I like. I need that. you to mess up, though, honestly, in order to have a chance. <laughs> even on my good weeks, I'm not really gaining much ground because you have a dominant 15-point I've been right now, so, crushing it all year yeah. in this for once. Very, very consistent. 
Very consistent. Billy's not here. That's what it is. Uh, <laughs> Jacob, you are in last right now, even though you had a strong showing a couple weeks ago. Some things went against you. Uh, you're sitting at 463.02. Who are you this week? Uh, we're taking Gardner Minshew. Tampa's been a pretty uh, gettable matchup for opposing quarterbacks this year. Uh, Colts coming out of the bye week. I'll take Jerome Ford, another matchup play. Denver's just been giving it up on the ground. Uh, even the absolutely anemic Minnesota Vikings running game was able to run efficiently on Denver. Um, I'll take Garrett Wilson just as a pure talent play. He's playing a Miami defense that's a pretty great matchup. The Dolphins score. They don't really defend all that well. And just a more talented player than you're ever going to get outside the top 24. I think Tim Boyle sucks ass, but he probably can't be that much worse than Zach Wilson. Right, please? Uh Logan Thomas is going to be my tight end. The commanders throw it 45 times every game. So I think your floor with uh, LT is reasonably decent and hopefully he finds the end zone on Thanksgiving. Uh, I like that a lot. Uh, for myself, seeing as how I am in first place, because that's just where I like to be, baby. 496.98 points. Don't ask me to set my own actual lineups to be this good. Only here for some reason. I'm going with Baker. They get the Colts. Uh, you know, shout out Leonard, who they released. Hope he catches on somewhere wow. to win a title. Mondre, he gets the Giants. We like that. I'm going to pure upside play in Shahid. Um, huge upside play, and I'm going to take Isaiah Likely. I'm just going to hope and pray that I get plug-and-play production or uh, Mark Andrews in that offense. Uh, I just, I'm going to hope and pray. We're going to take a quick second. We come back. Jacob is going to break down some of the opening dynasty trade theory that he is, well, so well known for. Sit tight. Back in five. Jacob, um, I actually... I'm actually going to change what we're doing. I have a live trade offer here. Oh, all right. I would love to do a live trade offer. I am a rebuilding. Well, not necessarily. Well, I'm basically a rebuilding team. All right. We've got Lamar Jackson. We've got Dak. We've got some, got some things, but it, it could be going better. We have multiple firsts in both years. I just got an offer to send away my Lamar Jackson. Now, I know Dude. how I feel about sending away Lamar Jackson. But I'm getting two first Garrett Wilson and Will Levis to do it. Wow, that's a like that's on a massive three, deal on a three and eight team. Yeah, that's a that's a huge payment. Um, I would definitely take that. Yeah, that's like a definite. Like I'm I'm sitting here with Allen Robinson playing meaningful snaps on this team. So I think I'm that's an curious. absolute smash. I'm curious. What's the record of the person who's making this trade with you? Go ahead. Sorry. It's sixth. He's sitting in sixth. Wow, wow that's yeah. a massive right. deal. We'll advise that for him. Yeah. But hey, that we're doing it though. We're doing it live on air. We're doing yeah, it. Oh, definitely, easy. definitely. I mean, just breaking it down like okay. as a base. I feel are, are a couple years away. Twenty six. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I think we're vibing. We're vibing with that. Then bam, live dynasty trade right here. And I always get. I always get outside help with these Lamar Jackson deals because I'm too in the weeds like Jacob said I'm 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 too in the weeds I'm too affected emotionally all right Jacob kick us off let's talk some dynasty trade theory how do you approach the trade deadline yeah I mean the deadline is a super exciting time in dynasty leagues I think it's you know it can be the last chance to add that missing piece to a contender it can be the last chance to sell off all your pieces if you're already tanking it can be that last chance to decide what direction you're taking you know or it can be that last chance really before the season ends 
to add some value into your team that ends up defining where you're at going into the offseason. So I think what I try to do ahead of the deadline in each team is I try to assess where teams at. And I always try to start from that value, that buying power perspective. You know, where where are we from a long-term vision standpoint on this team? Is this a team that can withstand to take, you know, a long-term loss for a short-term gain? Is this a team that would really be set back by doing that? Is this a team that's already kind of, you know, maybe it's, it's we're already probably rebuilding it anyway. So maybe we might want to lean in a little bit more into the now. Um, all that stuff, right? That's kind of where I look first. And then we just look at where we're at, you know, in the, in the specifics of the league. What is the utility of any given buy going to be, right? Especially if we're approaching it from that buy perspective. It's like, is, does, does the team already have a buy, right? But already has a buy. It's, it's somewhat questionable, perhaps, as to how much, you know, that extra ad is going gonna, is gonna to add on to your win equity, right? You've already done probably the thing that can add the most to your win equity. From here, your best bet is probably looking towards the future. How can you maximize your win equity in the future? Do you Are you sort of on the playoff bubble, right? I see a lot of teams on the playoff bubble buying. And that's a situation where, you know, I'd be pretty careful as to what I would buy, right? Are you buying a... Are, are you buying a longer term asset that's going to help now and help later? Are you buying something very cheaply? If you're investing a lot for a very short term asset right now, all of a sudden you have to hope that that asset gets you in the playoffs and that you then win now three rounds. Like that's a lot to ask and in a very high risk position to put yourself in. So it all comes down to like, what's your actual win equity ceiling? Where are you at right now? And, and what's the utility of that asset that you buy getting you there? No, I love that approach. And Honestly, it shouldn't take you this long to kind of figure out if you you are in it or you are not and how serious you are, but looking at your max point for and whatever. And I also understand that, well, my league doesn't have a trade deadline and that's how I should be fine. Right. The base of the show, we're going to talk some general theory to help people find those deals that they're looking for. Well, if it's not a trade deadline, it's for you at this point in the season. I think a lot of this is going to be maybe easily explained quote unquote by people are saying, we'll just trade for the young guys. It's not always possible. You got to get creative in some of these, especially with point shedding. So I have, we're going to go with the first question. It was asked here at six 45, my time. So this was before the show kicked off. We're going to ask this right now. X X pesky. Not sure what discord handle is. If you're in the discord or not, but let's get this question going we'll do this live trade show right now i need your help i have cmc and nobody at running back i can't get anything reasonable forward for two seconds pollard equals metcalf straight up mixon equals a one brian robinson or rashad white costs a first plus what do you think is the least bad option or latavius murray for a third i guess Uh, i mean we're gonna boost it up can can this person can can you define nobody X Pesky? Like people always say things like nobody, but like, is nobody literally nobody? Like, is there no one that's going to play a single snap on the waiver wire? You don't have anyone on, on your bench. Like, I mean, these, these trades are so egregious that yes, I would rather just try to win with a zero running back. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. I think you'll be able to find a waiver wire ad. I mean, you're saying Latavius Murray for a three. I would, I don't know, pay fab for Zeke or just anything other than giving up any significant capital for this. I think the closest one for me might be like Pollard for Metcalf straight up, but 
that's that's closest yeah. yeah. to reasonable for me. But also Pollard has been bad. What's his long-term shelf life? I know we think Metcalf is kind of at the bottom rung of that wide receiver two tier, but that's that would be the least bad. Um, because I think he has like a you know, Murray is whatever, like Murray's like so sub replacement level that you can probably just get that on waivers. So there's no point in giving up a third. Um, I, I mean, yeah, like even if you could get it down to like second and a third for Ford or something, I wouldn't necessarily mind that one. But white B Rob for first is way too high risk, um, uh, for first plus. Um, yeah, the Paul is probably the least bad, but I would not want to give up DK Metcalf for Pollard right now. So I think that. We talked about it last week. Devin Singletary is a perfect add if you're looking at that, trying to put in a minimal amount of investment, somebody who should still be scoring you points. So he's definitely someone who can help uh, you out, at least this season, especially if you don't want to invest any sort of capital into it. Uh, another person potentially, uh, and this one, you all might have to talk me off the ledge here a little bit. How much is Raheem Mostert actually costing you if you can find him on a team that's not competing right now? I think that's the problem. Uh, Most people. I mean, Raheem. I can't imagine Raheem Mostert still on many teams that aren't competing, right? Man, like we're this late. Fair enough. I think. I think if you want to go and grab somebody that is cheap, that could potentially be a difference maker at any point with their schedule opening up. It's Jarek McKinnon. If you want a guy that can. This guy is Latavius Murray. What's that? This is just Latavius, but small. Yeah, I just prefer McKinnon because he's been so disappointing even to contending teams. He's the type of player that allows you to still get a deal done with anybody. Like, even contend teams are like, never playing this guy ever. I can drop most of my shares by now. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying instead of paying up anything significant at all, just go poke at what yeah. useless wide receiver or like fourth string tight end that might be good someday the Kenny Yarbrough's of, of the, is it Kenny Yarbrough? Did I just talk about the Tampa Bay pitcher again? I might've anyway, just go find some tight end that you can dump off for someone mm-hmm. that's quote unquote useless as Jet McKinnon. I would rather do that than any of, of those deals personally. I don't know if that helps you or not, but leave a comment below. Well, the there. other thing, the last thing I was going to suggest is like, what if, I don't know, for whatever reason in your league, people aren't willing to sell, running backs for picks at any sort of reasonable price. Like why, why don't you do the other option? If, if you have McCaffrey or you have any older receivers or other stuff that scores points, why don't you try and offer up one of those assets and work that into some sort of one for two situation and see what that fetches. Yep. I love that. We have a question from Dakota Foss. Curious if you guys had any thoughts on the Green Bay or Miami backfield with all the injuries they sustained over the weekend. Is it Merriweather and Jeff Wilson season? Question mark. I'm not Mary so Weather. sure it is at all. I don't know who Merriweather is. Who's in my head. Oh, is he the is that rookie? A nickname of some sort? Nah, he might be the. I think he might be the rookie in Green Bay. Give me one second. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, absolutely is. Uh, Ellis. Okay. Mary it's Weather. not Merriweather's season. It's, uh, not Merriweather's season. I mean, Green Bay is going to be, AJ Dillon's going to handle probably the exact same role he handled early in the season when Aaron Jones was out. He's probably going to be like a low end RB2 with it. Um, and there'll probably be some other guy who will handle the other 25% snaps. It might be James Robinson. They sign him on the practice squad. It might be this Merriweather cat. I don't know. You're probably not starting them. Uh, and it's not going to be Jeff Wilson's season. Uh, it's going to be Mostert and HN season. Uh, and if HN misses one game, which doesn't sound likely, he was already estimated to have practiced today, then uh, I guess Wilson will play a little bit. But, like, 
we've seen this backfield. The only time that this backfield has had two players to start has been with Mostert and HN playing. When HN has not been playing, you only play Mostert. And there's someone else who plays 30% of the snaps and maybe they get a touchdown, but it's it's right. not like you're reliably starting this like Ahmed Wilson role anyway. So I don't think the, you weren't starting Ahmed. So I don't think that Wilson replacing Ahmed is someone you start either. Yeah. Nope. I agree. Very little upside to either of those guys. I'm just basically want their number ones or the guys I already have. And then I'm leaving it on the wayside. I will say uh, to answer Pesky's he's here. Sorry. I was late. Nobody is like Ingram, Kelly, and nothing better. Kelly. Yeah, play yeah. Kelly. That's the same as Latavius Murray. Yeah, I would definitely do that. But I would also poke around to see if James Robinson's on the waiver wire. Couldn't hurt. Yeah. I don't think it can hurt. All right, let's let's ask uh let's ask. Let's get a question from the bulletproof. You had some stuff separated, laid out. Uh pick one. All right. Uh well, I'll start with one that I think is probably pretty common if people haven't already settled on their situation last week. Uh, what should contenders do with Mark Andrews? Use him to get another marquee tight end or set him to IR and trade for a lower-end producer. Um, I addressed this in my substack, and I can get into that a little bit later, but why don't you guys go first at it? Lucas? So, I mean, this is always super unfortunate whenever you have someone who's as important to your fantasy teams as Mark Andrews is, yeah. especially whenever he's such an advantage at that position compared to most average tight ends in the league. I, I would say that... You're not moving Mark Andrews right now. I don't think that you should be that desperate, especially whenever there are tight ends who are veterans who are producing and shouldn't cost you an arm a limb to get. Uh, Taysom Hill, who's one of my picks this week, I think that that's someone that you can definitely go out, get, and not have to invest too much in to hopefully get him. Uh, Tyler Conklin, I think, is like a super easy ad. He's not going to do much for you, but he can – keep the ship afloat a little bit. I think that there are definitely bargain bin ads out there though, to help you handle the position. I wouldn't trade Mark Andrews though. That That's the baseline of it all is hang on to Mark Andrews, unless somebody it, you're sending him in a deal for like Laporta or Kincaid or, or something like that to where you could are also getting someone who's a higher end tight end. I'm trading Mark Andrews. I am. Uh, he's going to be what? 29. Uh, he's 28 now injured fractures leg. If you're like, in a competing mode, you're not you're not waiting the next year. And even if you're a tweener, I don't think you're waiting till next year either. I think you go and find a rebuilder if you can. This has been the most sought after strategy that you can, or at least that I've most common strategy I have found. Geez, I really took a while to get there. But I am trading someone like Andrews for any one of the young breakout tight ends and some sort of vet if I can do it. If somebody's willing to point shed off of their roster, a guy like Trey McBride, easy, easy, easy cash in, easy swap. I'd obviously be wanting something on top of that, but I am no, you're not getting it. I, I know you're not, but you can try. Hey, eh? you should be trying. Yeah, okay. But what, okay. But what, if, what if the person says no, right? What if it's, what if it's straight up? Are we doing that? Cause I think that's the decision people really have to make if they want, like, I think if you want McBride, it's going to be straight up or darn close. And if you want Kincaid or Laporta, you're probably the one adding. I don't, I guess it kind of depends. Uh, I know there are obviously oh, the market is going to reign supreme, but the, some people just don't look at, some people are still looking at Trey McBride. Like he's the guy that couldn't get past Zach Ertz. Yeah. Right. So hopefully, and when I say this, I'm saying, hopefully the person that has him is trying to offload him because of that. Uh, sure. But if he's not perfect scenario, if not, yeah, I would start, I would, I'd probably move Andrews for for McBride. 
I think his production in this offense with Kyler, I don't expect Kyler to be gone. I think his production in this offense is his numbers are wide receiver one esque numbers. So, and Kyler, he props up tight ends. So, I mean, you're, you're basically getting younger Mark Andrews. That's probably less talented, but yeah, I'm in, I I would, I'd probably do that at this point. Yeah. I, I will. I have not yet moved Andrews. It's interesting because the Andrews and Burrow injuries happen at the same time. They both happen at very scarce positions and you know, like my kind of general take on both has been mostly similar, but the specifics has, has not been like I've bought and sold Burrow in the contending spots that I've had Burrow. I've sold them. And in the, uh, in the spots where, uh, sorry, in the spots where I'm rebuilding or pivoting to rebuild, I've had no issue buying him. But I think the main reason why I've been kind of willing to do it both ways, is I, I actually feel quite good about a lot of the other market alternatives to Joe Burrow, like specifically Kyler has been the guy that I've sold him into on both occasions where I just already don't, like I wouldn't say that I think Joe Burrow, if I could have my choice of all the tight ends or of all the quarterbacks at the top of the first round, that Joe Burrow is the one I think is the most value efficient. Like he would probably be one of the ones mm-hmm. that I would least like to have at his cost. So for me, if I sell him like a little bit of a discount on his general cost, I'm probably selling him closer to in line with what I think his cost should be, right? So it's it's not really, it's a pretty survivable loss from my perspective. And I've been able to then buy him um, with the hopes that I could probably flip him in the off season at a, at a bit of a profit. With Andrews, it's a tougher one because I bought Andrews happily. The two times that I bought Andrews were actually, actually three times I've bought Andrews now. So two were using Laporta. Uh, one was interesting. Um, so one was Laporta and Christian Kirk for Mark Andrews and Josh Downs. The other was Laporta and Nico Collins for Mark Andrews and Drake London. And then the third one, and this is a weird league because it's a uh, Devi two tight end best ball. So you can like try to do all your own internal calculations as to how that affects this deal. But it was uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Isaiah Pacheco, and Pat Fryermuth for Mark Andrews. Um, so those are the three. Um, I thought that the first two were fair. I thought that the last one was it was very surprising to me that it was accepted. To be honest yeah. with you, yeah, I um, was going to go there, but um, yeah, the deal. But best ball, you know, the three for one helps a lot more in best ball than it would in like dynasty when you get to use all those assets. Anyway, um, all that being said, the issue with the Andrews is like, I think that a lot of people look at it as like, look, even when he's healthy, Cade's younger, way younger, Laporta's younger, McBride's younger. Like, what's really the difference? I just don't have the young guys. And I'm just not there. Tight ends age pretty well. Like, Mark Andrews has been, you know, um, largely pretty healthy in in recent years until this injury so i don't have a whole lot of like long-term durability concerns although it certainly can come at any time he's just so special like out of all of these different tight ends like he's really the only one that combines all of the elements of elite tight end upside that we want from the target dominance to running all the routes to earning downfield work to being able to create yards after the catch playing in an offense that doesn't want to make me kill myself like it's just, it's really all there for Andrews. So I, I guess it just comes down to, I'm just fundamentally not quite as sold, I think, on these three young tight ends. I'm sold that they're good, but I don't think I'm very comfortable with the way that they're being priced a little bit, which is Laporta, Kincaid, and McBride. Hawkinson to some extent too. I have kind of like a micro take, which is just for years, this tight end profile didn't really have that much upside. Like you, you basically either needed to have elite after catchability, um, elite downfield 
or, or an elite downfield profile or just all touchdowns. This like sort of PPR spam, like stick route tight end that's kind of living in the eight to 10 to 11 yards per catch range tended to be more of like a low end to mid range tight end, kind of like, you know, an Evan Ingram type season so far. Right. And it's not really been the case this year where we've seen the tight end position rebound and it's been through this type of tight end. And I guess the question then is, it's like, is this, is the, is the NFL changing for good or in a moment, right? Like I think so much of this plays into this like cover two aspect to me where defensive coordinators right now, it's all about taking away the explosives, right? So we see some of these players like T Higgins, like a Jalen Waddle, right? Their target share is coming down, right? Whose target shares are going up? You know, these tight ends, right? Your TJ Hawkinson's, your, your Trey McBride's, like these players who are living in the short and intermediate areas of the field are doing really well right now. And, you know, I, I guess I don't know. Maybe over the long haul, this is just the way that the NFL keeps going. In my view, things are usually cyclical. And I think we're kind of living in an environment that's very structurally beneficial to this profile of player. But I'm just not sure that that's the profile that I want to bet on all the way at the top. I, I just think it's a fundamentally more reliant profile on situation than Andrews. Like Laporta and Kincaid are basically living on 10 yards per catch, which means that in order to have tight end one upside, like high end tight end one upside, you, you functionally need to be getting eight to 10 targets every single week, you know, and that, that requires your offense to throw the ball a lot, requires a very high target share. And it requires a team willing to continually funnel like 25 plus percent of their targets into the short and intermediate areas of the field, which I don't really think is what teams want to do, especially not like good teams. I think that's what teams are kind of forced to do. So we'll see how this goes. I, I would just, generally speaking, I'm a little bit sketched, I suppose, with treating these tight ends as though this small sample of rookie year production is just going to continue to progress and progress and progress. So how I've been handling this injury is I'm buying Mark Andrews where I where it makes sense. And when I don't have Mark Andrews, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly just kind of shopping in the stopgap range. My favorite guy to target if I have a buy locked up or a playoff spot locked up is Goddard because you don't need him now, but the team who has him might need someone now. So you actually kind of get an injury discount on him. If you just need him back by playoffs, I think that's an interesting one. And then otherwise, like Joku is pretty gettable for a second. Engram's pretty gettable for a second. Schultz is pretty gettable for a second. Again, all depending on the person. Uh, Jake Ferguson is potentially gettable for less than a second. Logan Thomas. Taysom Hill is another guy right. uh, that Lucas mentioned. Like that's kind of just where I'm going is just stop gapping instead of paying all out for one of these other guys and moving I really like, it. I really, really like uh, Dalton Schultz for a second. Like that's definitely a move I would make on like my teams that aren't competing right now. If somebody sent me a second for that. That's an easy accept. Uh, whenever you're talking about Burrow though, I, I know that we're all fans of CJ Stroud. Oh, hold on, hold on. Oh, before, okay. before you switch over to Burrow, because I have some stuff on Burrow as well. Looking at Trey McBride, who is the third best, if you exclude Pharaoh Brown, he has the third best yards per route run and is 8.38 yards per target. It, it, he's getting used like a legitimate wide receiver. Right, He's already almost at Mark Andrews' production. For the season, it like just totally lacks the touchdown department. But I mean, he didn't exactly have stellar quarterback play coming into everything. His first read target share is at 20%. Mark Andrews was 23.1. Like he's his he is being used almost like you would want from Mark Andrews at this point. And I just don't see that changing. That's why I'm more comfortable moving somebody 
like McBride. And I already have players like Kincaid and Laporta ahead of Mark Andrews in my dynasty rankings. So, um, yeah, I'm totally okay pivoting to those guys. Completely okay with it. Fair enough. Fair All enough. Right, Burrow. All right, Burrow. I know we all love CJ Stroud. Are you doing Stroud or Burrow in a second, if that's being offered right now? I, I was offering Burrow in a second for Stroud before he got hurt. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. All right, just, just wanted to check. Stroud I did sell CJ Stroud for Joe Burrow, though, this week, which is, um, but I also got uh, Zay Flowers and Jerome Ford. Yeah, so that changes that a little bit. I will say I also moved a share of Trevor Lawrence for Joe Burrow in a one. So... Get out there and and ask. That's my favorite. Now that one I would do. That one I would do um, straight up. If you had to, I would I would move Lawrence for Bro, um, straight up. I would definitely not consider doing Stroud. I would also actually not do Kyler. I would do Burrow for Kyler straight up on contenders. I would not do mm-hmm. Kyler for Burrow straight up. That's probably a a um, uh, unpopular take. But like I would I, I would I would do like I would use Kyler in a deal to get. Bur- I'll buy Burrow from any of the elite quarterbacks basically except for Hurts, Allen, and Mahomes. But you better pay me. Um, if I'm doing Lawrence and Tua, I would be willing to do that straight up because I feel like just clearly better about Burrow than those two starting in the offseason. So if I'm rebuilding and it's all the same to me, I'll take Burrow. Um, but yeah, if I'm doing like, I consider Kyler more like akin with Lamar than with the Lawrence and the Tua. So yeah. if, I'm, if I'm moving you Kyler for Burrow and I'm bailing you out, like you pay me. You don't have to pay me a fortune. That's you don't have to pay me... Out. Like Stroud, I, I would need a, like I need a first plus to move Stroud for for Burrow, and then the, the guy effectively did it with what he had to offer. Um, if I'm doing if I'm doing Kyler, like sure, give me a second. All right, I'll take that, but I, I wouldn't do it straight. Yeah. So initially, he wanted Kyler, and I had said no. I said I would move Lawrence though. Uh, and yeah. the, the whole trade was Jake Ferguson, Brian Robinson, and Trevor Lawrence, and I got Burrow a first and a second. So it wasn't like just a straight up one and a two or a burrow plus a one with how that shook out. But again, on a rebuilding team, that's what you target. And I agree. I also ixnade the Kyler conversation. We have a couple more questions that are coming in. Um, yeah, we're doing yeah. all right. One question as a chase and Higgins owner. Would it, here we go. Would it be worth it? for trying to trade for somebody that used to be at Chase's level using him in some depth in and some depth like Higgins, Puka or Achan. Would it be worth it for trying to trade for somebody that used to be at Chase's level using him? So trade away Jamar Chase to get yeah, some. That one I'm not. That's that's like a hard no for me. That is the, also the only no. the only world. It's basically the same answer I had when the, when Jefferson got hurt, which was the only way I'm trading away Jefferson is if I don't have to move that much and I can then get chase, um, it would be the same in reverse now that the turntables have turned, which is like, if I can move, if I can move chase and I can get Jefferson, then sure. I, I think that the ad would still be more than I'd want to give. Like mm-hmm. in that case, the benefit was that I think a lot of people prefer Jefferson long-term and I don't. So I felt like that was like a more viable thing where you could actually just get Jefferson for chase. Now it's like, I think I would probably dislike most of the deals where I'm moving chase for Jefferson and Jefferson's not like he's still not in the greatest spot in the world, right? Like it's not like he's coming back to Kirk Cousins. Dobbs is fine. I would certainly rather be tied to Josh Dobbs than Jake Browning. But like I don't know, I probably still rather Ceedee Lamb rest of season than like Jefferson coming off a hamstring injury with Josh Dobbs. Definitely, definitely agree on that. I would move Chase for Lamb if I got a plus. I don't know if you're getting a plus today, but if if someone if someone's rebuilding, it's all the same to them. 
Give me an early second. I'll do I'll do Lamb and an early second for Chase if that's a possibility. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, I would do that. Um, look, we're gonna take a quick second. We come back. We're gonna finish that thought. Lucas has to take off, and then we will get out of here. Sit tight. We'll be right back. Okay, Lucas, very important human being this evening. He has to get out of here, in-laws and whatnot. Um, all right, Jacob, it's you and me. Let's bring this home. All right, let's do it. Repeat. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right there. I, I'm just not moving off Chase. I'm not moving off Chase. That's fair enough. Accepting that he is like Amari Cooper for the rest of the season, which is it's basically how I'm treating him. Probably like, Garrett. He's probably Garrett Wilson, right? Like he's probably, probably yeah. We're looking at. Yeah, no, that's, that's it hurts. I mean, this chase injury, like, you know, I don't I don't roster that much Joe Burrow. So like that injury was I mean, every injury is horrible to see from like an injury perspective from a fuck for my fantasy team's perspective. That injury didn't really kill me directly, but it kills me indirectly because I have a lot of chase that that uh, relies on Joe Burrow's services. 100 uh, percent. We have one right here. The answer is going to be yes, but hi, Mesa. Would you trade Comet and T for Chase? Seems like a no-brainer, but two souls um, after positions one healthy for one. Yeah, this is an un- no, stop it. Get this is an undeniable smash. This this feels like a this feels like a, I'm thinking about setting this offer. If that if that's offered to you, um, yeah, frankly, I doubt it. But if it is, then yes, you hit accept. Yeah, like if this is a reasonable trade offer sitting in your inbox, yeah, do that. Some people do panic. Yeah. We've seen, we have seen panic time trades all the time. Mm-hmm. And remember, I mean, not everyone's DGENs like we are. This might come right. up in a right. Yeah. I mean, looking at it that way, yeah. But this is a no brainer. And I'll phrase it like this, Mesa: If you get the opportunity to take a guy that gets drafted in the top eight picks of a startup for a couple guys. Oh, he really wants Laporta? Good. Send him Laporta. Um, this is Mesa right here. He he really wants Laporta. So if you got to trade up T. Higgins and Laporta to go and get Jamar Chase, you just don't even think about it. You just go, yeah, sure, buddy. Absolutely. But if he's really pushy, be like, give me a third back. But you don't even have to do that if you don't want to. Obviously, you know your league's better than us, and you want to – obviously, right. if they want to up the piece that comes with it, you should be able to do a little give and take and maybe get – I would need less than a grain of salt or grain of sugar just to put me over that edge to make that deal for mm-hmm. Chase. You want Chase. Yeah. Um, yeah. You definitely want Chase, regardless of how he is the rest of the year. He's, uh, Explosion said he was on the fence. Thanks for y'all's opinion. Yeah, anytime. Of course. Let's do that. We got a, tr- we got a trade question for AJ Brown here from the users. This one, I think I know your answer, but trade for AJ Brown question mark. I'm looking to win this I year. Mean, Okay, well, the last part of this question, um, I'm I'm assuming, is not a one for one because come on, um, I mean, if it's a one, yes, or you know, I mean, you never know, it could be yeah, like I, so. I don't know, it's hard. Would I trade for AJ Brown? Sure. Uh, what would I be willing to give? Um, two firsts and a throw in um, right. type value. You know, I always would prefer to not actually use like just straight up firsts to do it. But um, yeah, I would trade for AJ Brown. I mean, I think that it if you're depending on a lot of leagues, right? Like um, in, a, in a lot of league situations, it's pretty hard to get rentals. Like this would be a, this would be a know your league situation where if, if your league is more in the bubble with people who are like very into managing your teams are like very conscious of the value of teams don't want assets to expire. Like then 
you might just be better off shopping in the discount aisle, right? And saying like, I'm going to try and pick, I'm going to try and go to whatever manager somehow still has like an old guy on their team. And maybe that's a rebuilder who has not been on the ball until recently, but maybe that's just like a team that was hovering around the middle and they just got Joe Burrow hurt or Mark Andrews hurt or whatever else. Right. Like I think there's a lot of new rebuilders being created on the fly here these last right. couple weeks. So I would go to one of them. And if one of them has a Keenan Allen or a Devonte or a, you know, whatever else, that's your bet. But in a lot of leagues, those guys are still not cheap. Like in a lot of leagues, it's like Barkley and Eckler and Adams and all those guys that like should in theory be the like expiring easy buys are just not right just because of the culture of how some leagues work. So if it's that case, like I would just forget about it. And yeah, I would just rather pay more and go get the guy who's going to help you now and help you later. Right. Like if you're, if you're paying a first plus for Devonte Adams, like you may as well just pay two first plus for AJ Brown and yes. get a guy who's going to be a pillar of your team for a long time, right? Um, even guys like a Tank Dell or mm-hmm. a um, Puka or whatever would be guys where it's like not kind of theoretical deadline buys, but if this is the way your league works, if those are actually like priced comparably to the olds, then just go buy them instead, right? Like I don't think they project that differently, but you're getting a long-term member of your team. I think that's a, big, a really big point in this too, and that's where – if you're going to go and look at, let's say, the difference between like dissecting, okay, this is what the market says I should be going and getting. If, you, if you're if you told that DeAndre Hopkins, right, is worth a second or two seconds in, quote, market value overall, but your league mates say, nah, I want a one, but you can pay marginally more than that and move up for a piece that's going to have a sustained long-term effect on your roster – just like Jacob said, just do that. That to me is not a short-term investment with that one. That is saying I have AJ Brown. I think AJ Brown's going to continue to be, he's having his best year. I mean, mm-hmm. buy in on that, have him for a couple of years. And chances are, if you need to pivot, you're still going to be able to sell him for that, that one price. That's, that's more of an, what I want to call an investment trade than, than a, like you said, like a trade deadline buy. And there are mm-hmm. a couple of those players for sure. And I don't worry about the schedule. I don't really care about that. AJ Brown is him. Yeah, he got shut down last night, but that's not gonna happen. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry. That was a very weird game for them. They only ran like 45 plays. Um I, I would not worry too much about that AJ Brown game. Right. And this I like this next question from Ben Irwin. I think this sets up a really good theory point of view that I have been preaching for sure. This has kind of been our style over the last couple of years. Mm. So let's tap into this. Um, Look, if you're in the Fantasy Points Discord channel, we have been in there discussing this at length every day, it feels like, because running back is the most talked about fucking position. In What should I do with these running backs? And we like to generalize. Look, if you're not in the playoffs, don't have any. Like that, unless their name is Paul, Gibbs, and Robinson. And we'll say a Chan as well. But for the most part, you don't want them. So, Ben, when you ask, my team won't make the playoffs this year, mostly because of Jefferson and Lawrence. I feel that. I've got Saquon and wondered if you would trade him. It would have me pretty weak at running back. Uh, You should trade all three of those guys. Trade them all. Yep, that was going to be my my thing if Jacob would have let me get through that sentence. Uh, But I I understand why you wouldn't. Yeah, trade all of them. Trade Pierce for what you can get. It's not going to be pretty i mean i trade him for a three right now it's it looks jover in houston Najee, i would definitely be trying to trade if you should have had him traded already if you're finally throwing in the towel but yeah off of his best game 
of his season will probably be his best game of the season period. I would definitely be trying to move him if, especially if you can get that first, that base one mm. value for Saquon, you should, you should not be rostering running backs until you're ready to make a run. In my opinion, unless you just draft them in a rookie draft, that's it. But you shouldn't be investing in the position outside of the rookie draft. If you're a tweener, yeah, your team might be a badass next year, but these running backs aren't going to be the difference for you next year either. You need to get rid of them. Yeah, you're going to be able to buy back, um, you know, and even if you're not, like, I mean, Barkley is just, this This is one where, like, look, I get it. If it's if it's like a, you know, if it's a Jameer Gibbs is on your team and you're rebuilding, I get it. If you're like, look, you play in a super, super liquid league, I might look to sell Jameer Gibbs. It's like he's having this incredible stretch. Basically, only bad things can happen to him right now. You might get some team willing to really, really overpay. I'd probably listen. But if you're on a, um, you know, you're you're in a less liquid league, it's like, you know, all you're going to want to do next year is go and try to buy a running back and someone's going to make you overpay. So sure, you keep the young stud. But, you know, Bar- Barkley's value is, is, is going down this season, like Wait, in 26, right? Like it's just, no matter what he does, he could have a great finish of the season. His value is depreciating. That's what happens when you are in your age 27 off season. Um, and Najee and Pierce, I mean, who knows, right? Like I, you're going to start Barkley for your team next year. I'm, I'm sure of that someone is, but I don't know, even know if you're starting Najee and Pierce for your team next year. I don't know that you're starting Najee and Pierce for your team this year. So I think it's best <laughs> to get what you can, if, if you can get anything. Yes. I don't know if you can get anything. Yeah, you don't want the running backs. I wouldn't. Send, I wouldn't send them for a third. Like I would need at least a second for Najee and Pierce. But I, I don't think you're getting Pierce a second for Pierce anywhere. He's no. Been, well, then you. Well, then I'm keeping him, right? Like I mean, Pierce at this point is like it is what he is. I mean, I'd rather, more, I'd rather have him than a third. What's the point of a third? You're just drafting a backup running back or a somewhat rookie wide receiver. Like Pierce, Pierce is. Pierce has shown he can play in the NFL. That's that's still like worth more to me than a third. Okay, interesting. What about two thirds? No, I'm not moving Pierce for two. Okay, years. okay, I got that. I was fine. I you could maybe convince me that that's like an okay thing to do. I don't think Pierce has it, in my opinion. Um, I think, I mean, if he can get, I didn't believe in him out of college. Yeah. Maybe that's a look at how I evaluated him. I never believed, and I thought even his big boom production games were underwhelming at best. So I just think he's replacement level. In which case, I'm trying to get that third to try to hit on the next tight end that I can sell for a second after two games of production. Or the easy answer is etc. But I, there's some real value in those thirds. So yeah, I th- I think I'm comfortable. Not Najee though. I would want I would want the um, yeah Najee is. I mean, he's a first round pick. So like as much as it as much as you may not want to hear it, he's not he's not going anywhere, right? Like yeah. he's. He may, you may not like starting him, but he's certainly not going to be like out of the league or anything like that. And at the very least, you know, he's probably just going to be in a timeshare with Jalen Warren for uh, the next rest of this year and next year. And, you know, people always talk about like, oh, if Najee got hurt, imagine what kind of upside Jalen Warren would have. And his upside would be higher because he's better. But like if Jalen Warren got hurt, then Najee's back to a 90% opportunity share again. And he'll score a lot of fantasy points, whether he's good or not with that, right? Completely agree. You'll get no... You'll get no arguments from me there. All right, let's hit this one here. I like this one. This goes out to all the contenders out there. Uh, And in a way, should pique the interest of rebuilders as well to an extent. The question reads like this. To what extent do you ensure your contenders and strong playoff squads? I have an example of this from last year, but there's a couple of teams I'm somewhat thin at a position 
where one or two injuries could really sink the team or at least affect the chance of a buy, the ever important buy. There's nothing worse than being like the best, like most points for in the league, finishing third, knocking mm-hmm. the buy, and getting dumped by KJ Osborne in the first week of the playoffs. Oh. Worse than I've, I'm in two leagues right now. I checked last night just for fun. I'm two leagues that I'm in. The play, the team who is highest in points for is not in the playoff spot. Yeah, it's brutal. We'll uh, see. Maybe that gets settled over the next three weeks, but it's I'm there's some crazy ones. Okay. I'm close to that in the home league right now, and it's very depressing. Uh, where was I? A chance at a buy. Are you proactively paying for more depth or letting it ride? For example, I've got some teams where I've been hammering people at QB and tight end with a single stud running back, but I'm also flexing guys like OBJ during bye weeks, and he would be the next man up. On the flip side, um, I don't know where the other half of this oh, is. Oh, it seems like it seems like the – oh, he like – I guess when he typed the question, it must have typed in two. Um, oh, here we go. On the flip side, are you ever selling studs that, that got you the buy and just letting variants take hold if you're getting strong offers? For example – in mid first for Keenan, two first for CMC, cheering off Tyreek in a second for Olave in a first. Deal where you're winning in the value market but losing in the points market. Um, that's a lot of questions there. Yes, I'll go we one by one. You want to attack first? Uh, would I ensure my playoff teams? Probably not. No. Um, See, I'm different there. No, I, I probably would not spend. Like, if I'm spending assets, I would just want to spend assets. You know, it's sort of the the Jim Sorgi. We don't practice fucked approach. Um, Half the time that you spend stuff on depth, I've done that back in in time, and it's almost always regrettable. Half the time you spend stuff on depth, the, either the depth that you start sucks, or you don't end up needing it, or you end up with other depth on your bench that you didn't know you had because you weren't counting on Zach Charbonnet being useful, but then Ken Walker gets hurt, so now you already have the depth you need. Like, so I I just prefer not to like spend my precious few assets on stuff that you might not need or might not be impactful. So I'm not doing that. I would maybe do it like the only, the only area where I might do it is, is to like add a serviceable QB three. If I could get one cheap, like that's yeah. probably maybe the one area where I would, especially in like some, some six point touchdown leagues or something like that, where losing a quarterback is practically a death blow on the flip side. Yeah. On the flip side part. Yes. Uh, I'm definitely doing that. Um, I probably wouldn't get to the point of like selling like CMC just straight up for picks outside of like very specific circumstances. Right. But absolutely. Like it, it, again, it really does depend on the team and the team composition, but I'll give like the example of one team that I have where I would, and one team that I have where I wouldn't. So like both good teams that are, are near the top of the standing. So my home league team, for instance, the current starting lineup is uh, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Bijan Robinson, Devon A. Chan, uh, Diggs, AJ Brown, CD lamb, Brandon Ayuk, Deontay Johnson is probably like my last flex or Jerome Ford or whoever. Um, and tight end, sad face was Mark Andrews. It's now Dallas Goddard when he comes back and Isaiah Likely till then. Sad. Would I move, you know, would I move Stefan Diggs on that team? Fuck no, because like he's basically my only old player. Like I, it's like I, I have a, a pretty young team with Lamb and Bijan and AJ Brown and just guys on the bench that have picks. So like I'm not he's kind of the only guy where I'm getting that like production that's greater than the value. And I'm happy just riding him until he dies on another team. I have a team where it's like, I have Mahomes and Josh Allen. That's parts great. But then my starting lineup is, is basically a redraft team. It's like Austin Eckler. Yeah. Mara, Travis Etienne, uh, cop Diggs, Adams, Kelsey Debo and Dalton Schultz is like first and off the bench. And then it's like basically nothing else. So, yeah. 
it scores a million points. Like that team is, is clearly in first place um, in the league right now. But I would love to sell off one of those old men like uh, <laughs> at the deadline because realistically, like I've already clinched the buy. I'm going to have a reasonable chance to win any playoff matchup. Could any given trade be the reason that I, I lose? Sure. But like, you know, it could also be the reason you win. It's not like the the highest, right? Stefan Diggs scored six points this week and Tank Dell scored 32. So it's not like it's some. It's only going to guarantee to work one way. Um, I, I would like to ideally move one of those superstars for a younger version of similar value um, and see if that's possible. You know, is it? Who knows? But that would be one where I'm like, I've kind of, these guys have accomplished what they set out to this year. And for now, I'm probably more worried about the future and just hoping that I can win with what I have left. See, and I'm kind of a little bit of the opposite where I don't mind going out and trying to find some vet that I can get relatively cheap and stash them on my bench. I know I traded last year in a situation where I needed to secure the buy. Uh, the person I was playing was, you know, he was down on his luck at the time, but he was kind of going to be the difference if I lost that game. I traded for Mike Evans off of that guy's roster, uh, the person I was playing. I <laughs> traded for Mike Evans off of his roster, got him onto mine, paid a second for him. This was a couple years ago. Paid a second for him, and I think and a third, and just made sure that he had those points off of his team and ended up kind of, I guess it was kind of the difference. Um, it was during one of his just insane stretches that Mike Evans went on to have. So I am no problem trying to secure that buy if it means giving up a little bit of that, that late second draft capital going and getting guys that aren't necessarily just rentals, but are still vets. If that kind of makes sense, like, do I want to pay for just like a fill in spot, like Elijah Moore? For depth on my team, no, I wouldn't pay for something like that. These guys that might be on those tweener teams like a Mike Evans, yeah, I would absolutely want to go out and secure that because you're not paying that super significant draft capital. And if you can do it for a 25 pick, I would just do that because you can get that 25 pick back when you need to pivot. At least you have a better chance of getting that one back at this at a reasonable cost compared to anything in 24 now is pretty much going to be a lost cause so i think there's ways around it i think there are definitely ways that you can go and secure it on the other side i'm with you on that i would try and trade some of these vets if you look at the home league as i mentioned we talk about it a lot in these situations i have a bunch of aging vets like this team is all aging vets and i am actively trying to trade away cooper cup Devonte adams christian mccaffrey one of these guys to kind of recoup some of that and then get someone else to fill in in the aggregate because I don't like putting all my eggs in that basket, seeing as how the, you know, I've had a couple tough losses and there's no such thing as going all in and winning it. Mm. So I think that's important to note for your rosters. I think it's very important to note. There's no such thing as, yeah, I'm going to go all in and trade my first this year for this, this running back. Look what happened a couple of years ago when it was Nick Chubb. Remember when Nick Chubb was like, go buy Nick Chubb now. You're going to win your leagues if you trade a first plus for Nick Chubb. And down the stretch, he did diddly fucking squat. There's no such thing as a should Go trade for Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is going to be a league winner. Didn't do diddly shit uh, in, in those games, right? Like, there's no such thing as being a guarantee. You can go out and trade for a guy, and he goes out, and he puts up fucking five points for you, and you are better off playing KJ Osborne uh, in a playoff matchup than you were paying Mike Evans in some situations. Mm -hmm. So 
there's no such thing as quote unquote pushing all of my chips in. I think that that is just one of the biggest flaws in the dynasty fantasy football community. I don't think it it's real. You, you when you get to the playoffs, the variance matters so much more. You're taking you're removing so many variables that no, I, I I just completely disagree with the flaws. Side tangent, but I disagree with the philosophy. Mm-hmm. Just a little side tangent. I notice, yeah, it's it yeah. just I see it a lot, and it makes. I me, totally agree. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Uh, you can't you can't buy a championship, right? You can margin you can marginally increase your odds, um, and not all trades are are created equal in that regard, right? Like it's the you have to try and try and picture your team, right? The the trade deadline trades that will have the most impact are going to be the ones that accomplish multiple things for you, right? And so that's, you want to think about this year and beyond, or you want to think about getting a buy and making your team better in the playoffs, or, you know, this is a little sketchier, but like getting into the playoffs and winning in the playoffs. Like if you're just locked into the five seed and you're going to be the five seed, that, that trade is going to have a harder time making a major impact for you. It's going to come down to ex- exactly how massive of a hole you're filling. And and likewise, if you're already the one seed, right? Like people will say like, you know, it's an unbeatable team. There, there isn't an unbeatable team. So it, it does Ever. come down to that. We had a guy in our, this, let's just go back to the home league again. If you guys want more home league stories, boy, we have plenty of them. It's It's been a ride. Adam was the runaway favorite for this thing. He had Christian McCaffrey 2019 with Eckler and Brady and Keenan Allen. Like this was an all-star mm-hmm. squad. He lost in the semifinals because his opponent, Sydney, picked up Brashad Perriman before he could. And that was the ultimate difference. It wasn't a trade. It wasn't at the deadline. It wasn't moving her picks. It wasn't right. anything other than she picked up a backup, backup wide receiver for a stretch run in 2019 that paid off big. Now she lost to me, but in the end, but she got there on a waiver wire ad. It wasn't even a deadline deal. And this juggernaut of a team missed out on a waiver wire ad because he didn't bet enough fab. So it could be variance just kills you like that. 100%. Uh, it absolutely can. I don't think we answered this first question, but why don't you go ahead and ask this, the, the speculative ad. Yeah. I think this would translate. I want to get into how do you dissect going from the market value, quote unquote, and then applying that to your micro market. Um, sure. I want to get into that, and I think this is a good way to do it. Are there speculative ads at running back you like for 2024 value, or is it generally better to keep that value in picks and buy in season next year? So, I mean, generally speaking, yes to the latter if you can. Like, if I'm already in a spot where I have two running backs, I'm happy with i'm probably not buying many running backs like in terms of my my deadline shopping list like there might be a couple teams i haven't surveyed through all of my teams yet there might be a couple teams where i took on enough injuries where i might need a stopgap at running back but i think i probably have guys that i can start if it comes down to it like if i have to start like jalen warrens and gus edwards's and jerome fords and stuff like that's that's generally okay with me um unless so basically i'm either paying for like a true elite guy right and and that kind of requires a specific set of circumstances right like i I basically need that guy to become available so at this point in time would i pay up for a Brees hall or a gibbs yes in theory practice it might just be too expensive in a given spot um if the mccaffrey manager 
something befell them or if they, you know, are willing to move it. Like, you know, you just mentioned that McCaffrey's available in Tundra. That's a guy I would make a massive offer for. Like I, I would doubt, I would consider that's a needle moving player. Um, Send it, baby. Get that. Would, get I, would I move? What would I, you know, what I'm for like these kind of other guys, like the mix-ins all the way up to Pollard's, like whoever else you want to bring up, basically any other name. It's like, okay, if you're getting a value because someone is selling them off, great. But I wouldn't really go out of my way to go and buy like a veteran running back at this stage outside of McCaffrey, who I mentioned, because he's going to score a lot of points, right? Um, so I would be trying to look at either just getting by or if I had to buy someone, like to me, if I'm going to take a speculative shot on a running back in that second round range, give me one of the younger guys where it's like I, I probably get starting the rest of the year and I get a scratch off ticket for next year. So like Rashad White's an example of a guy where it's like, I don't even really like Rashad White, but he's young. So at least he has theoretical possibility of value next year. Same goes for James Cook. Same goes for Isaiah Pacheco. Same goes for Jerome Ford. Same goes for Jalen Warren. Like all these guys who kind of live in this range, like if you could get them for less than a first, um, I would rather spend a little bit more on them than the other crew because at, at least you're buying some sort of possibility at, a, at them being a multi-year solution. Kyron Williams another example of a guy. And I don't, I don't necessarily like all these players, but you're at least like spinning the dial – and honestly, it's a pretty good year, I think, to be a mediocre starting running back because the 2024 running back class is very, very poor. So I think, like, frankly, if you look at all sort of the running backs that are going to age out, like some of these olds that just won't be able to play anymore, I don't yep. think there's actually enough young running backs coming into the league as rookies to fill all those spots. So I think if you are like a Cook, Pacheco, White, Kyron, Ford, like these types of guys that we would normally think of as just probably waiting for a replacement – I think a higher percentage of them escape unscathed than we normally see this offseason. Right. Nope. I agree. I agree with that. I will say though, I'm I'm happy paying like base one one prices for Rashad White. I'm actually okay doing oh, that. Oh man. I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm not up with that. See, I'm okay. Again, I've mentioned this 25 class, I think, multiple times. I think you can send away a 25-1, get Rashad White with something on top of White, and I'm I'm actually pretty okay doing that. Rashad White does the one thing you want from a running back in PPR formats, and that's catch everything. Um, he is a receiving back. He is young enough. And like Jacob said, the class is just not it this year. I think he has legitimate upside potential, and he's just been so good this year. He's getting an Alvin Kamara role right now, and I don't see that changing next year. So I'm more comfortable doing it, don't want to do it. Like I would love to target Rashad White and not have to pay that price if it's somebody like Jacob, but that's where knowing your market value and your league value are different. For the most part, you're not getting Rashad White without paying a first because people just see his production and they go, that's what his value is. But yeah, my, my take on White is just like, I mean, for as long as he stays in this role, we should just keep projecting him very well. Like he... It's I don't know. It's it's similar to like a like honestly, it's similar to Fournette who was in this offense before. Like it's like I I think at this point in time we have two years of evidence that suggests Rashad White's a horrendously inefficient runner. He's still third from the bottom in RYOE this year. It doesn't grade out in any good, doesn't grade out well in any running back events metrics. We also now have way more evidence this year than last year that he's an excellent receiver. So yeah. like I really doubt that he's super long for this world in this massive of a workhorse role. Like I think he would be far better served from a real life perspective, being a receiving back who is like a change of pace guy on early downs. But 
you know, who, who knows? It's, it's the way it is with running backs. Like we, we see these guys. So he'll, he'll keep scoring a ton of points over the rest of the year. That part, I, I promise you. I, I'm just, I have a hard time giving up ones for players. I don't like believe in as real life talents, but I, I it's pretty easy to see how that works out. Yeah, I, I think it's fair. It's just my belief. This is where Jacob and I were different players. So it just it's what it comes down to. It's what I'm comfortable with. Out of the running backs that are 24 years old, that are a little bit middling, that you can kind of blame on situation, like the data suite is not kind to the, the fantasy points data suite, I should say, and go full promo, uh, is not mm. kind to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers running offense. Just as no. a whole, it's not kind to them. So I'm not willing to put... All of that on there, but again, the elite upside to running backs is pass catching, and he can do that. If he gives me James White, like prime James White pass catching in this kind of offense, no no issues with that production this year and next. And again, it's a 25. That's my preferred move. I don't want to move 24 ones. I want to move 25s uh, at this point in the year. I don't even I, I don't really want 24s at this point if they're not early, which how the hell are you even going to get one of those? It'd be so few and far between. Yeah, and get one of those in the home league. Yeah, Put McCaffrey oh, on the block. Hey. Then that, then that Marty one, all of a sudden, burned a hole in my pocket. Yeah, it, it does look pretty good. It does look also yeah. just for fun. Can we just talk about why your league should change to a lottery format for the rookie draft? Because oh, it's way more fun. Trades, okay. And this is a trade specific show. If you want to add a little something extra, look, I know the running joke now. Jacob, you're not in there, but the which I'd love to get you in there one day. The fantasy points discord is already yeah. is already sending me the like this is a single QB league, and in brackets it says I know, and just like it's already yeah. we're already right. making major changes to league formats. The lottery, the lottery draft pick is the most exciting thing in the world right. for, for first. It changed first of all everything. It's 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 fantastic. First of all, it's a blast in terms of like if you especially for home leagues, you know, it gives you another excuse to get the gang together. You have the draft lottery, right? Bring people over, have the lottery event. You could you could even unveil all the envelopes and stuff. It's fun. So that that adds an intrigue. But in any league, in a lot of the leagues I commission, I, I have a draft lottery because it, it does add an extra element of strategy. Where like let's take this example of this uh, of this home league that we're in, right? I have another manager's pick. Who at this point in time, it's it's he's borderline locked into finishing ninth. So the the single most likely scenario is that, that pick is going to be the 104. But the way our lottery works, that pick will have a one in seven chance of being 101, and it'll have uh you know a little less than a six and seven chance of being 104. And if somehow the 105 or the 106 win the lottery, which I guess is also a one in seven chance, then it's the 105, right? So it's basically 70 percent the 104. 15% the 101 and 15% the 105. And it it like it's very interesting because it's like I don't really know how to value that pick. Like if I knew it was the 104, I'd be like, okay, it's gonna be like Bowers or Neighbors or Henderson or whatever, and and it's worth this many base ones and we'll figure it out. But like, yeah, when I'm moving that pick, it's like I probably want a little better than the 104 because on in the off chance that I end up trading the Caleb Williams pick, right? The other fun part is if you start stacking them. Like I'm in another league with a draft lottery where I have currently three firsts that are projected to be in the lottery. And now it's like each successive first is worth even more to me. Cause it's like, I, I need, I, it's like, I just need to secure the rest of these lottery odds. Right. Like I would be, I would pay like 120% of the value of that first 
because at this point in time, like, look, I've already so invested in this lottery class. I don't want someone else to win their lottery with their, with their, just with their one little pick. So it makes it a lot of fun. Uh, I recommend it. It also, I think makes, you know, it, it just makes the trades very interesting to navigate and it makes the end of the season very interesting to navigate when you're tanking because you end up rooting for like, oh my God, if this guy can just miss the playoffs and I got one little ping pong ball, right? Well, it's very fun. And if, like real implications. Last year is the perfect example of this. I'll use the legal record, not the home league. I know that's going to get confusing to everybody. Yeah, but yeah, hang in there yeah. tight with us enough. You'll get it. Right. Still Dynasty podcast. That's legal record. Our home league is actually the first dynasty league Jacob and I ever did. And it is bananas. But in the in the legal record, we have the lottery system. Last year, Jacob missed the playoffs thanks to a last minute Julio Jones reception that had me beat him. And it kicked him out of the playoffs. He was sitting in the 106 spot and won 101. We did the lottery. <laughs> And he won the rights to the first overall pick in the draft, which has insanely changed the course of his entire season. And that was a trade made, if I'm not mistaken, a year or two before that draft came up. You pre-bought that first, if I remember correctly. It changes everything. A trade that you made, if you're trading for 2026 picks, guess what? That motherfucker could be a lottery pick. Like, right. it could end up being a lottery pick, and it could end up being 101. Right now... In the home league, you're sitting on a guy's first that could miss the playoffs. You are on pace to win the whole league. You got Bijan in that one, too, from a, a later spot, and now you could end up with Caleb. And it just changes the whole complexity of tanking and rebuilding and shaping your trades and how important it is to go in the future. I implore you to please, please this offseason, wow. join us Dynasty League that uses the lottery. There might even be some fantasy points user dynasty leagues going down. I'm I'm pretty sure I've heard that somewhere. So, guess what it's going to end up being? A fucking lottery because they are dope. Okay, we're at an hour and 14. Do you have any more trade thoughts? Players that you're into buying, players that you're not, players you're staying away from? Not Probably not particular. I mean, I, you know, I never like to do the, like, this guy's a buy, this guy's a sell. Cause I feel like it end, usually ends up going with the market. I think we've talked through a ton of trades. Oh, I got, we talked about the, the injured guys. Uh, I, oh, I, I got a lot of questions about tank Dell. So um, yeah, yes, he Dell. is. He is the rookie wide receiver one in my most recent updates. And I oh. would move up to 1.5 base first for him. Interesting. Interesting. I find that you think that's a sustainable. Uh, see, there are red now. How much of this is just because he's CJ Stroud's like dude right now? Part it of it. I mean, it, it's a chunk of it, right? Yeah. Like, I guess I was, I don't think that there's that much of a difference between this rookie season profile and Puka's. Like, Puka's is a little bit more sustained because it happened immediately, but he hasn't done all that much in a while. I think that they're similar. I think Dell, from a like, what do you do on a football field perspective, to me, has actually showed the more varied way to get there in terms okay. of winning after the catch winning downfield like the way he's used on scheme touches but then he's also a, a downfield winner like and and yeah the Stroud thing matters right like that's one of the spots quarterback can't make you good but if we're just comparing wide receivers who are already confirmed good or, or confirmed great or whatever like what are the spots you want your rookie what are the spots you want your wide receiver to be in right now if you can pick anywhere in the world it's like with burrow with Herbert, with Stroud, right? Like, I think that's, that's yep. the three 
guys where you're with that pocket passing quarterback for the entirety of their career. I, I mean, it, it matters a lot, right? Look at, I don't think CD lamb is a dramatically different talent than Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave and all those other guys. Right. But he's the one who is most liable to be able to rip off this the kind of stretch that he's on because life's a lot better with Dak Prescott than Zach Wilson. Okay. I, I see that. However, let's say for some reason, they bring in a round one wide receiver to help bolster. Even if I think it's un- unlikely, I think it's going to be an interior lineman somewhere on the defense. Yeah. That's where I think it's going to go. However, if they just decide they're going to bring in a round one wide receiver, is, would that immediately change your perspective on what you think Tank Dell's future value is going to be? Like, is his value? I mean, not really. There's no like enough to survive that kind of impact. Yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, is it going to, I think that Nico is probably a little bit more at risk to that. And I I think he's good and is a totally fine buy too, but like 2.40 yards per route run. That's completely bananas. It's an absolutely elite figure. Um, He's that's just behind Puka in this class and and not by much. I would honestly bet on him to pass him by the end of this. He's at 0.24 targets per route run. That's absolutely terrific. And then again, we talk about the varied usage. So Tank Dell's now all of a sudden emerging as this air yard threat. He's up over a 30% air yard share now, despite not being a full route player to start the year. 13.8 ADOT. That's number 12 highest ADOT in the whole league. And he's up over 24% targets per route run. These are elite figures, independent of the offensive efficiency that's getting boosted. His role is absolutely phenomenal. It's, he's separated now, I think, from Nico Collins a little bit to where it's 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 at the very least a 1A, 1B, not a co-number one. And it's probably tracking closer towards a 1-2. Um, I might be at the point in this class where I think it's quite possible that the top three wide receivers in this class were all drafted around three or later. Wow. See, I think, I think Zay Flowers is the truth, but... I like flowers. I think I think it's clearly Dell one. I'm not even a Puka guy, but I, I really can't argue with the production. I, I think he's two. Um, and I get why people haven't won over Dell. And then I think it's an argument. And I think Downs is a part of the argument within the next group. Interesting. Okay. I'm not I'm not that far off. I will with, say with with the other three round one guys, of course, Addison put- and Flowers and JSN. Not obviously QJ. He's no longer in the conversation. I think one of the players to me that I think would really benefit from the old will, if you put him in this situation, they're really not that much different. It's Chris Olave for me, who's 23, Tank Dell's 24. So sure, about absolutely. If you were to put Chris Olave in this Houston offense, we're looking at like top incredible in the league, top top two, top three in the league, in my opinion. So I think absolutely. there is, a, I think there is a case to be made there. I, I know people just get freaked out about that age 24 already, like the super late, late. I think people get freaked out by that. But we're talking about 24, not 31. So I guess you're right. I think I might have to go. I think you've actually changed my mind. 16.4 points per game this year, by the way, which is like unreal. I was going to say that he's kind of like a hot sell to me, but I think you've, I think you've crisscrossed applesauce me into buy tank Dell. That's interesting. We have, um, we have one from Bango that I actually missed. Should I trade CD Lamb for two twenty-four first? I already have. I have two already, so I'd have two top six and four overall first in a twelve-team superflex dynasty. This sounds like a complete teardown. So, uh, no, I would keep CD Lamb for that price. Interesting. What if what if both of those were the ones that are giving him multiple top six? 
It sounds uh, like a teardown. If, 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 I mean, if those are the two, I mean, I'm assuming that they're not because right. I think it's a safe assumption. But yeah, I would I would sell him for probably close to three base firsts value. So two top six firsts would be fine. It would be another first. Really? Even but I'm also fine just hold like unless you need to shed points. Like if you're if you're already at two if you already have two top six firsts. I think um, it's like how bad is your team? You know, like, like actually, you already have two top six first and, and you're do you need to shed points? Okay. If you don't if you don't need to shed points and you already have two firsts, unless you have a very low value team, the rest of your team, I would probably just want to keep CV Lamb unless I'm given like just something I totally can't refuse. If you do need to shed points um or your team remains very low value such that you need to add more assets, I would at least I would probably need three full firsts at this point to sell CD Lamb. Interesting. I think that's a good point. And I think it I think it kind of plays into that you don't have to trade all of your players. You don't have to trade all your good players. I think that uh I, I agree with Jacob here. I would be countering, maybe asking for a second, two seconds, a second and a player, whatever, um, to try to get you that little bit extra. But I think there is a time where shedding points is detrimental more than it is helpful. Like if your team's already locked into like the 101, the 102, the 103, right? You CD Lamb might not be the guy you want to get rid of, right? Like if yeah. they're late ones or whatever, you don't have yeah, to. Try you only get rid of a CD Lamb if it's a necessity, or if you get an offer that you can't refuse. Like you don't, you definitely don't need to force trade him away. It's not going anywhere. You still, you still want. So when you're point shedding, you still want to and keep this in mind for your trade deadlines. If you're point shedding, you still want to have value on your roster before you go into the drafts. So you don't want points on your roster. If that makes. I hope that sentence makes sense to you because it makes sense to me. You still want to have long-term value and value on your teams. You do not have to go bare bones to the cupboards unless like four people in your league are already doing it. And you're just trying to keep up at that point. It can be very hard to come back from that. Like you don't want to, you don't want to liquidate to a point where it is a detriment to your roster there. There we go. I got it out in a way that makes more sense, but I think people are doing that right now. And I, th- I think to a point it can actually be very problematic to the point where you're taking bad value deals to get there. That's a, yeah, you don't want to do that. I mean, that's, that's, you never, you never want to be uh, taking intentionally bad deals. Yeah. Just to, Oh, I just had to, well, I mean, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't really, but I feel like that's important because we've been talking a lot about point shedding in the fantasy points discord. And I wanted to point out that it's not necessarily the best in mind to shed everything. But running backs shed all those. All right, final points. Uh, I want I want to point out one player who I've loved a lot. You've loved him as well. Hell, I made made you a graphic for him. It was your it was your Twitter banner for a little while. You can we pour one out for Aaron Jones? Like he has been a trade deadline mm-hmm. god for years, and I mean I'm waiting for an update on his leg. But from what it looked like. It sounds like he's fine. Bad. No way, really? Sprained MCL week to week. Week to all right, never mind. I'm not gonna do a sad I had uh, it's funny play. because I actually I posted this in my uh oh, I posted in my um Sunday drive column today. I was like I fully expected to do yet another soliloquy for one of my favorite players, um summarizing like their career ending injury. And then um somehow some way. I mean, when I watched it live, I thought it was. I thought, I thought he was for sure uh, 
ACL. Like I watched it, I watched it live. Yeah, he goes in the cart, he has the towel over his face. I was like, that's that's career for for Aaron, but um he okay, lives on. Mind. Sounds sounds like he's probably gonna be even be back for the fantasy playoffs. Wow, unreal. Yeah, high major not gonna play on not gonna play on Thursday, but he's uh all, all things considered, it sounds like it's the best possible news. Like doesn't even sound like he's an IR candidate. Interesting. Okay, never mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop that. Last I had seen it was still like, oh, you could probably drop him. So I hadn't double checked on that. So that's on me. That's my bad. Mace that said, see way too much of that. I think is referring to taking bad deals to point shed when it's really just bad for you. And we don't want that. Look, we're going to, I think that does it. I mean, I'm, I don't have anything else on my sheet. We've already done the player takes. This is a good time. I think we'll do more of these, a lot of these in the off season coming up. And I think we are going to actually revisit this when we get into uh, the fantasy playoffs for people that don't have a trade deadline. I think it'll be really good to touch base on this, but we're kind of getting to the point now where it is time to look towards 2024 and how we're approaching building our rosters. And that's exciting. And I can't mm-hmm. Jacob final thoughts and your uh, thinking about thinking for the week. Yeah, um, no more final thoughts. Go live long, prosper, be merry, etc. Um, thinking about thinking, we have uh, Sunday Drive is back. Last week we did the full rankings update, so didn't have that. Um, I did make a emergency post uh, in response to the Burrow and Andrews injuries on Friday. So if you have not checked that out and you have any Burrow or you have any Andrews or you want to trade for Burrow or Andrews, uh, definitely go and go ahead and do that and uh, read that. Um, otherwise, yeah, um, might have something up this week um pre-deadline related perhaps this week or next and then i'll definitely have some stuff on some of the playoff contests um underdog and ffpc playoff challenge once we uh get into kind of fantasy playoffs mode so keep an eye out for that if uh any desktops up your alley oh i'll be on uh, ship chasing tomorrow night um for the thanksgiving preview episode so you can catch me at uh, nine eastern time for an hour with dalton cates ben gretch pack rain pete overset so that'll be fun right Mazes says, good one. Better than last week. Hey, wow. Shots fired at last week's yeah. episode. Jeez. You don't like an hour and 45 minute long CJ Stroud is going to be a Hall of Famer talk? Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing but correct takes. Look, and correct <laughs> takes. Okay. Uh, look, if there is content you want, is there content you need that's not being provided to you at fantasypoints.com? Let us know. Tag me in the Discord. Let me know what you guys want, what you guys need. I'm going to be doing a rankings update one random Saturday afternoon live here on the YouTube channel. Little uh, AMAs, ask me anything, whatever you guys want. I'm going to try to get that done this Saturday. I will announce it later. I know it's a holiday thing. Uh, for you guys, it's your Thanksgiving. We've already done our Canadian Thanksgiving, as we do. Yeah. yeah. So I understand that it is a festive and holiday week for everybody. I want you to enjoy all of the foosball, all of the footy, wherever you are, however you say it. Uh, shout out to all of you. Have a safe holiday. And we, we say it a lot. Remember to check in on your loved ones, even if you're not sure they need it. The holidays can be a very depressing time. Uh, it can be a very sad time as much as it is a positive and happy time. So check in on your people because you never know. Uh, remember that clear eyes your horse can never lose your best days. Well, goddamn, they're always spent tilting. Good night, everybody. <laughs>